You're listening to The Rad Podcast, an exploration of wealth, finance, business, and entrepreneurship. Hosted by Dutch Mendenhall, founder of Rad Diversified. Hey, my name is Michael Carter. You know, I like to say that I run this whole marketing business over here, but you know what? Happy birthday and Merry Christmas. It's a happy holiday post, dude. That was Okay, what is your name? What is your position? Hello, my name is Michael Carter. I'm the marketing manager over here at Rad Diversified, and I just want to say happy holidays, and I wish you guys all the best. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Patrick Keller, director of advertising, and uh, I mean, Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Hi, I'm Buddy Marchetto. I'm part of the marketing team. I just want to wish everyone happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Hi, I'm Dara Sullivan. I'm the production intern, and have a happy holidays. Happy holidays to all of our great investors from Jennifer Diamond, your investment liaison. Happy holidays to everyone. I'm Cedric and I'm a recruiter. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, Tony. Yeah. Are, are we recording? Yeah. I'm Patricia Purcell and I am the marketing project manager and definitely I'm so uh, grateful that you are investing with us and we definitely from our team wish you a happy or a Merry Christmas. Don't. I need to start over. I wasn't ready for that. I was. It was so perfect. Uh, they're going to hear this. Don't. Leah Galindo. I am the Inner Circle Coordinator. Happy holidays. I just heard about you today because we're a growing company, guys. We are a growing company. I just met a new employee. So. All good things. <laughs> All good, only good things. Only good things. I was in my head about other things. My name is Melissa Bolduc. I'm Investment Relations, and I wish you all a happy New Year and a Merry Christmas. Everybody, this is Gretchen O'Brien with Director of Investor Relations. I want to wish all of my investors and their families a joyous holiday season and a prosperous new year. Mary Gonzalez, HR Director. Happy holidays and a blessed new year. Hey guys, my name is Zachary. I am a content creator for Rad Diversified, and I just want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, and I just want to wish you guys the best in 2022, because 2021 was crazy! Hey everybody, my name is Vince Perez uh, with Rad Diversified. I'm the social media director, and I just want to wish you guys an amazing holiday, and uh, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year! What's up, guys? This is Joey with Ride Diversified. I'm the executive assistant. I want to wish everybody a safe and happy holiday and a prosperous 2022. Read a book or read five or read 10 or read 20 books. Hey, guys, Carla Plankart here, and I am the content creator and executive personal assistant. I'm really excited for 2022. Um, Just wishing everybody happy holidays and may God bless you always. Uh, Ben, fund accountant. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Andrew Nonis, I am the CFO of the RE, the Director of Accounting for all of the other funds. I'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas from West Chino, California. I'm Ed, I'm Loan Acquisitions. I want to wish everyone a happy Christmas, Mahana Kwanzaa, and lots of luck in the new year. Hi, my name is Ruby, I'm the Loan Coordinator, and I just want to wish everybody um, a happy holidays. Hi, this is Yesenia, I'm a loan processor. Just wanted to wish you guys a happy holiday and new year. Hi, my name is Mindy. I'm the Junior Fund Accountant. Happy holidays to all. Hey, what's good, everybody? This is Mateo Vargas. I am the video editor here at Rad Diversified, wishing you all a happy 2022 and uh, blessings for you and your family. Hey, what's up, everybody? Founder Dutch Hall. Just wanted to wish you all a happy new year, happy holidays, 
It's been such an incredible year. Thank you so much for being a part of our tribe, our family. Um, this team here we have is just, I'm just blessed every single day to be a part of it. And I just, you know, you're a part of that. And I just want to wish you the best in the most glorious of holiday possible. I, I did a little bit already. I'll go, I'll dive back into it, right? I mean, so our first and foremost, right, is we're going to see what's actively out there, right? Um, it's not that you can't find a, a property on Zillow or the MLS or um, other places that are out there that, you know, auction.com or uh, other places, other auctions, like different cities um, have different auction sites, right, that, that work work for those individual cities. And so you got to kind of individualize a little bit with that. And so those are kind of like your public arena type of deals, right? And so we'll market those deals with, you know, direct mailers. Um, we'll call, you know, agents on them. We'll call, you know, anything, anything and everything that's available, right? And we'll use um, the diff different resources um, to find the owners, right? And get a hold of the owners. You might private Facebook message the owners. We might um, uh, get a phone number and, and give the owners directly a call. We might shoot them a text message right and th that stuff that's out there that's actively marketed so it's about pulling down the information for the owners and, and contacting the owners in any way shape or form that that we can um that's that's one form and then we have you know and that's more of like what i would call like your your sniper type of marketing right you have a specific um asset or specific property you're trying to acquire um and so you're doing direct marketing to um contact them and, and get to them directly right um then the other type of marketing we doing is you know what i would call you know spread marketing or machine gun marketing or guerrilla marketing which is we're hitting you know an area and so a specific area we might hit door hangers uh billboards bandit bandit signs which are like the signs you see on the side of the road like you know we buy houses in any condition right um our signs are typically that we buy ugly houses signs um, that you see out there or the billboards where you say see that we buy ugly houses, right? Um, is, is, is a brand we use for, for marketing and bringing in deals. Um, yellow letters. Um, and then there's online marketing, right? And so, you know, if you're in Philly or uh, Jersey and this side, you know, what you'll do is you, if you see somebody Googling, you know, um, trying to sell a home or rehab home or any one of a whole bunch of different search terms, you know, we'll, we'll be at the top of the, the search engines. Um, and so we'll receive, you know, clicks and people, you know, requesting phone calls and those kind of things. And so then our staff will take the phone calls and they'll actively go and do it. And then we keep an active bank of wholesalers, right? You might have a thousand people who want to try and wholesale deals or wholesale real estate, but only, you know, one out of every 200 will actually send you deals that are worthwhile to take a look at that have the kind of margins um, that we like and the, the kind of deals we like to see. And so over the years, we've built, you know, a handful of wholesalers that um, are just better than the rest, right? And so, you know, we buy from those guys actively. Um, in a given month, you know, we'll buy something from auction, we'll buy stuff from our offline marketing, um, and we'll buy something from a, a wholesaler. Uh, like an average month for us is 10 to 12 you know, deals is pretty, pretty common for us, um, in, in purchasing. So that's a, it's a little bit about it. Is that what you wanted, Mr. Mendenhall? You want to add on to it? Um, yeah, I was just going to say about wholesalers too. I mean, we found there's kind of like, there's a lot of national wholesale brands out there. Um, but, but if you want something that's, I mean, those, those guys, 
they, they work on a really they work on a really thin margin, so it's really hard to get deals from them that work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you got local guys are out there hustling in the streets that you want to buy in, those those guys are gonna get you way better deals than um, and and to the wholesalers who are just looking. We have we have several wholesalers who are like, I just want two thousand dollars per deal. If I you know I mean it's kind of a bird dog or a head hunter or a house hunter. They just they just want you know they're not like. They're not trying to make 30% and so that you have 5% left. I mean, they literally just want, they want a single cash payment, set amount, every property that you bring, in, they bring to you that you close. And those are the ones that are really, really seem to work, work well, but you know, that you can work with. Yeah. That last deal, that last deal we did, that last deal we did, you're looking at almost a 40% margin on it. I mean, it's a pretty incredible deal. Yeah. So they were, so you guys were asking me about location, right? And so I think some of our whiteboard videos where we like where I map the city and stuff, um, and we can always do another one is really good on that, like the the way location works. But I can give you a verbal breakdown um, and then we can follow up maybe with a like afterwards we can whiteboard it a visual for everybody. But the bottom line is so when we go into a neighborhood, we're looking at A, B and C, right? Um, and so A is like your premium cream of the crop neighborhood right it's got a name brand to it like beverly hills uh galleria um rodeo drive right um it's got it's a it's a named neighborhood um a plus means there's gates there's paid security um around the clock it, it's you know big houses big yards um privacy i mean it's it's really kind of a special kind of neighborhood right and then you go, you know, to B neighborhoods, which is middle class America, right? Where B plus is probably upper middle class, B minus is probably lower middle class. Good, good solid neighborhoods. Um, and then you got your C neighborhoods, which is, you know, your rougher areas, your rougher neighborhoods. C plus might be your transitional neighborhoods. Um, we like to buy a lot of C plus to B minus neighborhoods because there's lots of times they're transitional. They're growing in value a lot. Um, C minus, you're starting to get pretty ghetto, really rough. Um, D means do not enter. Um, typically, those are your drug user neighborhoods and your roughest of rough neighborhoods. Um, like, so you know, depending on what we're, we're buying in a given you know given month, um, we could buy in any of the three A, B, or 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 C. Um, it depends on what's going on in the market, um, as well in in what's going on in the world. So, right now, which is interesting, most of your C neighborhoods are not. Um, available for purchase which is which is fascinating um, in my history of doing real estate I can only think of one other time um, in 15 years where like you really couldn't buy that much as much in C neighborhoods and the reason stuff's not available in C neighborhoods is because there's the, the moratorium on foreclosures right and also because um, there's stimulus packages so between those two things combined you're not seeing nearly as much stuff come on the market or become available in those kind of neighborhoods and so a lot of what we're doing right now is probably um i'd say our average purchase right now dory would you say b to a minus um would be the kind of the arena um that that, that we're buying in more often than not um i think I, the other things that we do when we walk go into a neighborhood right you start a couple blocks out from the neighborhood you're going into and you start assessing you know well, what does this neighborhood look like as you go into it right um you know how what's the other houses look like in a neighborhood you're not going to see you know any boarded up abandoned houses you're going to see 
luxury vehicles, you know. Um, you're going to see BMW, Mercedes. Um, you're going to see, you know, Land Rovers and, and Navigators. Um, you're going to see, you know, that, that kind of vehicles, right? Um, and then as you get into regular B neighborhoods, you start to see your normal American, you know, car. Your, your, you see, that's where you see your, you know, your loan cars is what I call them. Cars that would have loans on them, right? Um, everything from, you know, your Toyotas to your um, Fords to your Chevys. Um, you know, the modern day Priuses are in those kind of neighborhoods. Um, so those are your B neighborhoods. And then your C neighborhoods are typically going to have a lot more non-loan. Usually there's a mixture between loan and non-loan. But even your loan cars are usually the loan cars that are bought at like the secondhand dealers. Um, and so you start to see those as you go in. So as we go into this neighborhood right now, right, I can almost instantly tell you you're in a B neighborhood. So if you look to your right, you're going to see, you know, a normal loan car, non-luxury. As you look to your left, you're going to see normal loan cars, non-luxury, right? Um, you can see these are what we call twins, um, which are, you know, du some people would call them duplexes um, or townhomes, depending on how you look at it. It looks like there's four units attached, right? Um, you're never going to see in A neighborhoods unless you're like in a downtown of a city. Um, where you're going to see attached, you know, A-type properties um, was the only place you'd ever see that kind of thing. So, and then this, what type of, what type of deal is this? So this is probably just a solid B, B neighborhood. This is auction.com. Okay, so this is a property going to auction. Uh, Which one, Dory? Yeah, it's the one straight ahead of me. It's uh, got a little bit of rust on the, uh, on the garage door there. Or brick dust, I'm not real sure, it's, but it's the one straight ahead in front of me. Left or right? Oh, on the right, okay. Uh, I got you. Yep, with the, right. the flag, yeah. I think the flag's a different address. Is that, yeah, is that a third, yeah, I, I think it is too. Attached? Yeah, it's a third attached. Mm. Now, lots of times, lots of times we'll go and knock on doors of these houses, but before 9 a.m. we don't. Usually, actually, before 10 a.m., we rarely go knock on people's doors. They tend to get a little angry when you knock on their doors that early. So, probably looks like it's in fairly rough condition. Is it a mortgage foreclosure door or bank-owned REO? What is it? It's not an HOA foreclosure, is it? You might be muted. Or you might be out of your vehicle. Yep, I'm muted. No, no, I'm muted. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a bank-owned property. The side of the spreadsheet up. It's, got a, it's a bank-owned property. Is it saying it's rented? Um, it's saying it's occupied. It doesn't say whether it's rent or, or otherwise. Okay. No, we're not going to knock on this one, Joe. But we can take a... You want to... So fascinating as you go neighborhood to neighborhood, this one's worth just as much as the last house we went to. Wow. Even though it's in a town home attached. Row house. 
So things that we're looking at here as we look at this house, right? We're, we're trying to measure condition, right? The roof looks in good condition. The siding looks in good condition. But it's not in perfect condition because there's obviously uh, maybe dick, uh, brick brick dust or uh, uh, from the, the drainage from the roof coming down. Um, maybe a little bit of rust on the garage. But otherwise, it looks like it's in good condition. But this is probably an HOA taking care of the yard and stuff. So probably not the owners taking care of the yard. Um, it's bank owned. Um, so the bank's probably yeah, in good condition. So we'll probably measure this property as like a B level condition, B plus condition, would you say, Dory? Yeah, I, I, I would I would think so. Um, starting bid's 175, just FYI. Yeah. The ARV on it's 430, 435-ish, depending on once we actually pull comps and stuff. So there's a big margin, which is something we like because um, it gives us room to play if we, you know, contact the bank. Um, also, if we're going to bid at the auction. So there's a big margin from the starting bid to what it's worth, which is a good good sign. So when we're choosing properties, we're trying to find those margins. Um, it's helpful as we're choosing our lists, right? If the starting bid was 385. There's not that much of a margin to be able to do on it, but it also means the bank doesn't want to take less than 385 because it's probably what at least what the mortgage was. Lots of times starting bids are, so can, can be what, you know, it was foreclosed on or, you know, un, less than what it was foreclosed on. Sometimes they'll start even less. Sometimes they'll do a starting bid, but even if you won the bid at that starting bid, they won't take it. They'll have a minimum bid you have to bid for them to, for the bank to take it. They'll have a specific amount set. Hey, and then, um, what was it? I don't think you can see it from your angle, but there is a kind of a janky roof transition where they did not do the roof properly. Um, if you wanted to back up, you could probably see it where it goes from, you know, our unit to the, the unit to the left. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just look look up where the pinnacle is, just to the left of that pinnacle. You can see oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. transition is exposed and yeah. it's got a little swell in it. I mean, it's just not how it's supposed to be done. Yeah. I mean, when snow sits on there, they could, they I mean, could you could, it. you could leak water too. Yeah. Johnny, I mean, you're a little yeah, bit slow. I mean, I mean, I'm not the Is Johnny not on the conference line? He is, he's probably muted. You on the conference line or what, boy? Yeah, yeah. We're on there. We've been talking the whole time. You better dial back in. You better dial back in. Oh, he's not on dialed mute. in? He says he's dialed in, but he can't hear us. No, we're not on mute, Johnny. All right, now that Johnny finally caught up, let's move on to the next house. Dutch earlier, uh, Chad came out, took a picture of the property. Uh, we're cruising these properties. Why is it important for us to grab that picture before we leave? Well, I think there's a couple couple reasons. One is, so we, we're keeping a, a running set of notes, right? And so you think you're going to remember things, but you're not going to remember things. And so um, he'll, he's actively taking down the different notes from the things that we said about the house, but then he's also takes a picture of it. And that just helps when we go back and do an analysis of the property later anything relevant like Dory talking about the pitch of the roof or something else he wanted to remember uh, we'll take a picture of so when we go back and reference it and we do our 
numbers breakdown, he can has have that reference guide. You have to have a running reference at all times, otherwise um, you're not gonna remember things. What happens is, even like I've been doing this 15 years, and I have a really incredible, I'm really blessed with an incredible memory. What happens in your mind is you'll start to exchange properties or exchange addresses or exchange things in your memory when you're talking about a thousand houses or you're talking about you know all of the different research that you're doing and stuff and so you have to keep incredibly accurate notes otherwise uh, you'll make mistakes so how many properties would you say on average you visit on a trip like this on a trip like this we'll visit on the low end 50 on the high end 100 Wow. and a curb or two along the way take notes Is my, Go on around, Dory. I think with anything, it depends on what city you're in, right? Um, different cities, different counties are going to have different rules when it comes to zoning. And and it changes from time to time. Like, this, like the rules of zoning usually stay the same, but the enforcement of the zoning is kind of what changes, right? Whether there's inspectors or not inspectors, um, there's stuff that is, you know, from historical, right? Or stuff that is, that is today when it comes to zoning. And so you got to kind of know what's going on in a market with with your zoning um there's inspectors that exist in like this area now especially philadelphia which we're not in philly right now but and and that didn't exist five years ago and so you have to do a lot more permit pulling and you got to be a little a lot more careful about zoning like houston a place where we buy all the time you you have to pay very little attention to the zoning and it's not zoned nearly as stringent as, as, as this area out here is. Go ahead, Dory. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, so you look up your local code, find out what the property is zoned as, which is going to be a matter of public record. Um, and so that'll give you allowable uses. It'll also give you uh, uh, exemption uses. So, um, like, and this is just a random example, but like an RSA 5, it's a residential. Uh, single attached uh, five, it just has to do with setbacks and how high you can build and stuff like that. Now, that's typically, you know, in the name, it's single family, but on an RSA five, you get an exemption to make it two family, but you can't go three, four, or whatever. So you have to kind of look that up. I mean, typically they're going to have a book um, that'll have all those codes, setbacks, and stuff like that for, for, you know, pretty much every municipality, letting you know what you can and can't do. Um, you just have to be really careful. Um, that there are some things that are strictly prohibited and those will be listed as well. And so if you're buying like a mixed commercial use and you want to do, you know, I don't know, a hair salon, there might be, there might be strict, there might be some sort of strict restriction that doesn't allow, you know, personal services or something like that, you know? Um, and so you want to make sure you just look those up. I mean, um, I think just as hard as, and then as far as just as hard as it is to like know what the zoning is, you have to know how hard it's going to be to change zoning too, right? Because people get in their heads like they get very um, artistic, right? Because they've been watched HDTV or something else, right? And so 
they'll see like this property and they're like, oh, we could do this, this and this, or, you know, we could turn this house into this or do this, right? But, you know, some places changing zoning on a property might take two years, might take three years, right? Some places, you know, it might take six weeks. And so, you know, if you're new to an area and you're doing your first deals in an area, don't buy a property on the thought that you're just going to be able to change the zoning. Um, you know, you have to, that's something you have to gain experience in um, because it's, it's not as, you know, easy as, as thinking that they're going to automatically change because they might not change it at all for you. Yeah, Dory's one of the, the uh, when it comes to zoning stuff, you guys, Dory's one of the most, like, knowledgeable people I've I've ever met in the industry when it comes to understanding the zoning and different things. And I think that's because Philly's a really hard city to kind of master the zoning. And, and he dove deep into, into knowing it inside and out because one of the things we do there is, like, triplexes, quads um, are very, very undervalued, right? And so we've done a lot of like like anywhere we could buy a duplex or a single family home that is zoned uh, where we can do triplexes or quads, we're going to buy, right? Um, and, and immediately buy because the something we can buy for a hundred thousand dollars and put a hundred thousand or hundred fifty thousand in today's rehab numbers with the way lumber has been and stuff um, is easily going to be worth four hundred. And so, so you know, we, we buy like that all day long. So the zoning's a huge part of that. So uh, we're passing through Medford. This is a historic town. Is there something to say about like historic locations, especially here in Pennsylvania and in Jersey? I mean, you just evaluate the properties as is. I mean, sometimes you have to be careful if it's a historic neighborhood because there might be rules and restrictions of like what you can change and what you can't change. But typically the stuff we would do to a historic home, which is get it rent ready or get it to re ready to resell, um, isn't going to be affected because we're not going to change the, the true nature of the property typically. So it doesn't create that big of a big of a concern. Now, if you're someone who's trying to like tear stuff down and then rebuild and, you know, build multiple units or something, yeah, then, then you're not going to be able to do that in most historical districts. Dory. Yeah. So the. Yeah. Go ahead. What was the question? She asked the what, what's the what's the research for zoning, right? How do you find out the zoning and the the code and those kind of things, right? So you know, for a layman who's going into a new county or a new city, right? Um, there's usually a, a a code book you can usually Google the zoning for an area, um, but you're also you know my first step is always going to be to call the county. It's going to be my first step before I do anything else because typically someone in the county office is going to give you a pretty good breakdown of what you're, what you're trying to find out. Um, that would be my first step is, is to directly call the, the, the county. and uh, you know they'll, they'll get they'll, you know they'll hand you gold 
every single time. Um, I've never I've never had an experience where it just it wasn't super beneficial to call, call a local county office. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think it's, it's a fantastic resource and it's underutilized by most people. So, he just said what I said. <laughs> yeah, pork, or do you want to? Just no, no, no. I'm fine right now. I just pre, 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 pre okay. planning, preparing. Yeah. So we just passed a house that looked like it was mid construction. So sometimes those can be good deals, like because what'll happen during COVID is you saw people get shut down in the middle of the construction, and financing got really tight, right in the middle there for a little bit, right when COVID first hit. And so sometimes you can find deals like that that are just sitting and that are in like this weird limbo. Um, and so sometimes those can be worthwhile. But the other things you have to be careful of is like when you're walking to someone else's construction project, like what did they what what did they actively screw up? Because it could be a permitting issue or something they did wrong that got the project frozen as well. But and you have to know that before you go in, otherwise you could buy someone else's problem. It's sometimes worth buying someone else's problem. It just depends on what price. If the numbers make sense. I mean, problems equals math when it comes to real estate. And so every problem is a number and what it's going to cost either time or, or money-wise when, when, when there's a problem. Yeah, and, and, and actually, I mean, we've seen, I mean, that's been, um, you know, a trend we've seen a lot of um, here recently where we've picked up I mean, I don't know. I want to say half a dozen partially rehabbed properties um, where they hit some hurdle they couldn't overcome. It took a left turn. They ran out of money. I mean, there's, you know, a variety of reasons. But I think, you know, in the last couple of months, I think we've picked up about about six of those. Yeah, it's it's interesting because people are always like, well, why would, you know, like we'll pull title and different things and you'll see like the company that's on it is actually a construction company, right? that where they stopped mid construction and they're like, well, why would this rehabber or why would this construction company, you know, stop midway through or whatever else? And I said, well, they're just, they're, they're people like anybody else. They just have an ability to do the contract and ability to do the work, but they're people. So people have problems. But the other thing you see too, is you see with, um, a lot of people trying to build their own rehabbing their own construction company there's a lot of Peter and Paul, right? Like they're, they're rehabbing the property for this investor over here. And then they're trying to rehab their own property over here. And they're using some of the funds from this rehab to fund this rehab, some of the materials from this rehab to this rehab. And what happens is that sometimes eventually they, they just get behind. Right. And, and then, and then they're behind on both projects and now they get into a conflict with their original investor and now their project is frozen as well. And then they're going out trying to find new business to pick the money back up to restart the thing. And so it's something you see with 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 a lot of a lot of contractors that you gotta kinda of be aware of that shell game. And if your guy is playing or your, your contractor's playing a shell game, just because you could do five projects in a row with them that go well, but if they're playing that shell game, it could be the sixth one that they completely screw up, or it could be the first one you do with them, they completely screw up. But most of the time, contractors um, are less likely to screw up the first one if they think there's a lot more to come. And so, like with newbie investors, I always try to make sure that they're, they're crystal clear that they're not telling a contractor that they're newbie investor 
um, that they speak to speak, they walk the walk. Because if they don't, aren't able to do that, then the chances of them finding a, a contractor that, that abuses them a little bit is really likely, really high, right? And I say this with, I mean, all due respect to contractors, we work with a lot of them. I mean, we have, how many crews do we have full-time working here, Dory? It, it, it kind of, you know, five to seven, you probably minimum yeah so we have you know anywhere from seven to, crew. yeah also a bunch of part-time yeah and a lot of a lot of subcontractors but so any you know throughout the business we could have anywhere from seven to ten crews working at all times right so it's a lot of a lot of experience and so for every crew we find that works out and is freaking awesome and badass you know we might go through 10 to get to one maybe even 20 to get to one. What do you think? 20 to one, Dory, to get to a, a really good contractor? Yeah, it's definitely in that range. Yeah, like, 20 to one. yeah, I mean, we just it's, it's a lot to find, find a good one. And once you find a good one, there's a science to keeping them good, to keeping them like working, to keeping them, keeping them from abusing you, keeping them from trying to make all their money from you. Right. Um, typically when they think you have a lot bigger play for them, the, they'll you know do good work especially on their first project with you and then after the first project you know the second one is usually where the truth starts to come out right um and the prices start to go up or the work starts to take longer um and so you know like usually you don't want to judge a contractor which sounds crazy by the first deal they ever do with you you want to judge them more by the second deal they do with you than anything else because the first one they're usually going to do a lot better and a lot faster work than they are on all deals going forward from there. It's very rare that we find someone like Bruce is one of our, our team leads that where they just, they go incredibly fast, they stay good priced. Um, kind of blow our minds sometimes, huh? <coughs> yeah, no, they sure, yeah, they're, yeah, yep, we're gonna swing by one of his projects uh, today or tomorrow. I'm not saying they never screw up, but I'm saying they, 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 oh, yeah. they, totally. they get after it. He gets on to the next thing, and so I mean, he has that clear. Nobody else tell you what the property's worth. Let the market tell you, and do your research and know your numbers. Yeah, I mean, most most realtors are fairly lazy, right? So, um, I mean, it, and it's not necessarily a slight. It's just you know, you get a lot of weekend warriors, right? They work a job during the week, and then on the weekend, their friends, family, someone else is you know listing the property. Um, but those aren't even the worst warriors. The worst realtors. Those are the the ones that you know just don't have the skill set, right, to be to be a great realtor. But at least they'll probably show up to appointments and they'll be do open houses and they'll do some some of the real basic stuff, right? The worst are the realtors that just suck, right? Um, and they almost intentionally suck. They get lots of listings and they're playing a numbers game and they they don't do a good job of of, of anything, right? Um, I can read a. a I can get on any MLS and within a short period of time, I can read realtors that suck. And, and so what you do is you take, let's say an area you want to go buy in and you, you get every listing from the MLS. And so then you do a dollar per square foot analysis um, and you try to figure out which properties are listed at, at a lower dollar per square foot. And then you do a time on market analysis and you're like, which properties are, have been on the market the longest. And when you do those two and you cross compare them, you know, when you spreadsheet it, you'll, you'll find that there's a few realtors 
that have a lot of a good amount of listings um, but but long times on market and a lower dollar per square foot and what you're finding is these are realtors who either aren't present right um, who aren't uh, actively hustling and working and so, so sometimes you can find some decent deals that way and this market right now it's very rare right in the in this hardcore buyers market we're in right now it's it's fairly rare but it, it does still exist in a market where we were three four years ago that was you could find those a lot more easily a lot more common like one of the things dory hasn't experienced right um isn't a crazy insane um you know seller's market buyer's market right where the the sellers can't sell right you've almost always been since you started doing real estate full-time almost always been where sellers could sell because you know there's buyer frenzy right dory uh, i mean sometimes more aggressive than less yeah. But I remember after the 08 crash, right, there was an endless amount of properties on market. And so you could really find those kind of things a lot easier back then than you can now. But the market will change again, right? There'll be, you know, a time where we're in a buyer's market versus a seller's market again. Right now we're in a seller's market, by the way, if I didn't make that clear when I was breaking that down. Yeah, we're in probably one of the most robust seller's yeah, markets we've been in a really long time. I mean, Dory listed a condo yeah, not that not that long ago. I think the average condo was selling for like 140 or 145 or something. And Dory listed it. You listed it for like 185, right, Dory? Or is it a little bit more, a little bit less? No, you're, yeah, yeah, it's the two. It's the, yeah, it's like, yeah. It's, uh, but basically, he listed it 40,000 above. Yeah, he listed it like 40,000 above market, and every all the other realtors that that are around told him like dude you're insane there's no possible way and like we had an offer within within 30 days it was within two weeks wasn't it dory yeah two weeks yep. yeah two weeks they were literally just calling me and say what's wrong with you why do you have this listed at this price So Dutch, you just said that it is a it's a buyer's market right now. It's a, seller, a seller's, seller's, market. seller's market right now. It's a seller's market right now. Can you clarify what is making that? What are the factors that are making that a, a seller's market right now? Um, there's a lot of things making a seller's market. One is your inventory is is not abundant right now, right? And so when your inventory is not abundant, which means how many houses are on the market to sell, right? Um, when your inventory is not abundant, then prices continue continuously climb. Well, you have X amount of people that are coming on the market to become buyers every single month. And so if you have less sellers than you have buyers and more buyers come on the market, more buyers come on the market, right? And the, the amount of houses coming to market isn't increasing, then, then you're getting to more and more of a seller's market. Now, the reason this is created, one is because of COVID, because so COVID had less people selling homes, less people moving, right? Um, but still there's people that wanna buy, there's people that move, right? People who make money, right? Um, for the, finally made enough money where they can go buy a home. There's people that are moving, right? Uh, for different reasons, you know, it could be moving because of a job, could be moving because of family. Um, but then number three is it's a robust economy. People are making more money right now than, than we've probably ever seen in our lifetimes right and so your average middle-class America they're, they're just making more money and so with, with that said you know they want to buy homes I mean it's the, part of the American dream is to own your own property own your own home I know if there's Millennials out there watching they're like well we thought we were just gonna rent forever that's kind of the 
the new wave of thinking but if you're you know 30 plus years old i mean it's you know majority of american population you know you want to buy a property you want to buy a home if you want to build wealth you need to buy, own property there's there's no question right um there's not a person who builds you know normal person who builds tr tremendous wealth without without buying property and and it's through the the, the compounding effect of, of assets the step-by-step -step building of, of wealth that, that you make money through through that and so you know it's just the average american you know wealth is built in their asset built in their their property more than it is in anywhere else right where else can a person buy you know you go back 20 years right a person buys a property you know with a mortgage you know and they put ten thousand dollars down and they're paying you know less than a thousand dollars a month and you fast forward 20 years later and the property's worth a half million dollars and they've you know it's 40 60 80 percent of a lot of people's retirement right um you know I my parents have been dead you know for a very very long time um but i look at like you know my mother-in-law right you know after the 08 crash you know they were smart and they didn't sell their house right away they waited a couple years waited for the market to come back up and she sold her house and now you know that house is you know mainstay of her retirement you know and i said that's you know that's what the average american american is, is is they retire through real estate um yes there's people who retire through the stock market and yes there's people who trade the stock market my only thing with stock market is is, is you know i i don't know any other way that i could lose 60 percent of my wealth overnight than with a market crash you know um like six months ago everybody was so hot or f even four months ago everybody was so hot on crypto they were insane they were going bonkers on crypto like off the charts right my brother-in-law was pushing me on crypto right no offense andres and you know and then i had employees right they were like dutch can we just trade a little crypto for the company and stuff right and i gave them a you know a small amount of money right to trade um because i believe in you know my team you know if they think they can do something i believe trying to encourage it right but then like i was telling everybody i got all kinds of videos you guys go look on youtube all kinds of videos i'm like it's time to get out of crypto it's time to sell um you can buy back in right like right now might be a decent time to buy back into dodgecoin right i mean it's it's trading at like i don't know what like 18 cents a 18 cents or something right now right it was up to 70 cents right i mean it's worth 500 percent more right back then i mean crazy and but everybody always, you know, they, they get so excited about stuff. I'm like, get out. And and I had investors after a crash just like left and right calling me that invest with us. They were like, I listened to you. Awesome. And then I had a whole lot of other investors calling to me. I should have listened to you. It sucks. Right? And that's just, you know, that, that volatility, if you want to play with it, there's a bucket to play with that. Right? But my true wealth, my, my built wealth is, is, is in an asset. And an asset that, that is a commodity and it's a commodity that it, that is only gets more scarcer because the population grows every single day in the united states every single day there's more babies born every single day there's more people graduating from college every single day people are getting promotions and raises and in an inflationary world that all accelerates everything that i just said now you put a catalyst a stimulant into it right you put you know an espresso and a coffee into the system of, of a person what happens well they get jacked up right their their, their energy's off the charts it's the same thing with 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 everything i just talked about right right now we are in a in a in a, in a catalyst in a, in a stimulated world a stimulated economy it, it's 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 over 
he might as well put some an injection of caffeine into it right or for you know the drug addicts of the world right they are our, our, our economy's on cocaine right now and and it's it's hard beating 150 miles an hour and it's it's over it's a you know it's running you know at full capacity somebody on a treadmill who's you know sprinting instead of walking or, or jogging right that's what our economy is right now and it's it's going to stay that way right for the foreseeable future as long as they keep pumping more money in and the bank and the feds and everything and then the balance and the equilibrium is is not not in not in you know an equilibrium it's not in, in step in the stasis it needs to be in you can continue to see this jacked up jacked up economy and i say jacked up not as in like messed up i mean as in just like overly stimulated overly accelerated do we have a maybe that could be jacked up too it'd be easy for the next property dory what eta for the next two minutes out two minutes out okay so what are we looking for as we go two minutes out, everybody, right? Can we get a grade? Starting to look at the neighborhood, starting to look at the houses, right? These houses are a little bit older than the last set of houses. Um, wooden fences I absolutely love when I go into neighborhoods because it helps me read floodplains, flood, flood, flood lines, right? Um, and, and read what's going on. Um, but just because you see, you know, paint, you know or where on a fence doesn't mean it could be sprinklers doing that too so you got to kind of get a deeper read but we're up on top of a hill a little bit with a creek running right but right behind these houses so as you see the creek that runs behind these houses you know it's something that's you know before you buy you've got to kind of really make sure in an area like this you're checking out the flood the flood plain because because it could be very easily and that thing only rises 20 feet and i know that seems like a lot but in a in a flood it's not Thank you for listening to The Rad Podcast, an exploration of wealth. For more information, please visit our website, www.raddiversified.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. 